What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Middle cough! Heavy Hames! Woo! You, uh... <clears throat> you ready for Monday? I heard you've been... You, you were golfing. You told me you are golfing Saturday. You golf Wednesday. You go... I, I don't... Yeah, yet I, you, I played Saturday. It was a disaster. Man, I got... I just ended up getting too wasted, but it was not... You could have hung with me. Well, I need that Monday. We'll see what happens. Uh, the uh, the ham, ham Open 2019. <laughs> the the Ham Open at Harding Park? Not, Harding a bad, Park. not a bad spot. We'll be out there. Is Lil' Jeff coming? Yeah, our producer, Little Jeff, because it's a media event, yep. a.k.a. my brother, uh, I, I DM'd him. I mean, guy, if you were playing golf anywhere in the world as a sweet course, he'll be interested. Uh, again, his bachelor party was at Bandit Dunes. He's like, I shouldn't, but I'm really tempted. So I think he's on the fence. Like, he has work. I mean, he has a career that, he, you know, the, the harvest time, early May, is kind of gets going. Uh, Maybe I'll shoot him a little text because we need somebody to film for us. Yeah, I, I was thinking I was gonna go get a selfie stick just to kind of, uh, you know, flatten it out a little bit at Best Buy when I go get dinner tonight. Bet you get dinner right by Best Buy. Well, there's a place, uh, there's a couple places right down the street from Best Buy that I, Rubio's, little Mexican joint. You ever been to one of those? Yeah, Fresno used to go to them all the time. Is this? Yeah. I think this is a different Jeff Middlecoff I'm looking for here. Yeah, they're pretty good. I'll give you his number yeah. after. Well, if you DM him, then I should just DM him. If you're DMing, well, him, I didn't, I didn't DM, I didn't DM him. I, I, him? he Snapchats me. <laughs> it's the way most we communicate. He Snapchats me a lot of pictures mm-hmm. because I, I think he gets mad whenever I steal his pictures, and he knows, you know, you can't steal a Snapchat picture. What and do you mean? You, like, what kind of photos are you stealing from? Well, him? Yeah, just like pictures of the dog, or I don't know. He just, you know, he just likes doing the Snapchat because then the pictures just disappear. Like, they're not bad, but if you do take a screenshot, unlike Instagram, mm-hmm. you're like talking to someone, you can right. always do screenshots. Right. There, you can do it, but it just alerts the other person, so you right. get nailed. I'm like, a light Snapchat, you, Snapchat user. I know, I know some of the... Uh... Can, can you imagine if they alerted uh, screenshots on Instagram? Like, Instagram might shut down. 
or shares. Like if they tell if you tell somebody when you share their post. Oh my god! Exactly. You just DM it to someone to get a laugh about that oh, person. Oh god. Now, granted, it's probably happened to me a million times. But if I, it would really hurt my ego if I saw the people doing it on Twitter and Instagram. Like this fucking idiot, you know. <laughs> Look at this moron on the beach. Uh, um, I would imagine girls do it a lot, like shaming other girls. I think guys do it too. I mean, it's yeah. probably no different. Yeah. Did we have we talked on the podcast about the guy that finished thirty sixth in that in that uh, marathon, but finished right ahead of the women's finisher and ran through the tape? <laughs> so I texted our friend. I DM'd our friend Tom Brenner, who now is a track and field co- like a long distance run team coach in Michigan. I- I didn't know he was doing that until he tweeted the picture today of him screaming. Or maybe I saw it on Facebook. And I said, Tom, help me out here, because I'm pretty sure this guy could have just... Oh, is there any chance the guy that broke the tape and then the woman yells at him and everybody there... Like, I don't know anything about running, like horse racing. All I know is everybody there reacted like that guy was a dick, right? Everyone there reacted like that wasn't... Like, he could have easily so they got, avoided they, it. So they basically... I, I, you can't really see, but they must have two separate tapes, right? Yeah, well, well the <laughs> men's tape is long gone because this guy's 36. Yeah. But there's, there's cones, so he can just finish to the side. So I said, Tom, is there any way that this could just be an honest mistake? And he said, no. You just... I mean, like, it, you didn't do it on purpose per se, but it was easily avoidable. And then what adds to it, John, is when you're wearing the Harvard H, you can't say, Harvard, I go to the greatest school in the world, I'm a genius, and then, oh, but I didn't see that tape right there that I just ran through. Imagine well, if that well, was that woman's first marathon win ever, like training 20 years. This is going to be your win. You follow Francis, like the comedian guy for Barstool? I, he, like, uh, sings and shit? No, but I see a lot of his stuff. Yeah. He, he, I mean, some of his shit is not funny, but his com- he went to Harvard. And his comment on the Barstool Post was, Harvard doesn't discriminate based on gender. And then someone replies, like, you're an idiot. And then he says, for all we know, there were 35 other Harvard men who beat this guy. Don't make, oh, that was a different comment. But Is that where the I videos, got, he wasn't first. I don't, maybe he wasn't 36, but he wasn't first. He, no, he was he was 36. Okay. <laughs> so Dick but moved, the, right? We can agree. But, but the, the first woman was right behind him, right? Right, yeah. So that he stole her tape. Like, that tape came up for her because she was about to win. That's, it's a pretty special video. Um, all right, well, we'll, a few more things to get to, but um, Mother's Day is around the corner, John. It's a, a week away, and the Sherry's Berries, we've been uh, eaters of Sherry's berry, Berries, consumers of Sherry's Berries, buyers of Sherry's Berries, for mom or grandma, or your sister, your sister-in-law, your godmother, your kid's godmother, whoever, uh, wife, girlfriend. I mean, really, no, you can buy them for yourself if you want. Sherry's Berries is such a perfect, easy gift for Mother's Day. Well, Guy, Mother's Day, it's a week of Mother's Day. You going home Davis this weekend? See your mother? Uh, I went this last weekend, but then I almost went. My mom just yesterday, Saturday, I got a uh, WhatsApp from my dad that said, look what your mom just brought home, and she brought home a puppy. So What's, what's a WhatsApp? Uh, it's a communication uh, app. Uh, oh, okay. Well, yeah. well, but mom well, brought home you, a puppy, John, so I might have yeah, to go see her. So you might have to go. It'd be a perfect gift to get her. Mother's Day is uh, this Sunday. Uh, berries.com, B-E-R-R-I-E-S.com. Click on the microphone in the top right-hand corner. Promo code HAM. Guy, you get 12 berries. They're dipped in just goodness. Well, hold on. You just, get the you the 12 berries. You get, you, yeah, excuse you me. You get double the, the berries you a, for $10 more. You can upgrade for more. $10.99. Yeah, my, my, no, my bad. No, not $10.99. Just 10 bucks. Just 10 bucks. I'm a little off right now. <laughs> the berries, we got dark chocolate. My favorite is the white chocolate, but also the milk chocolate with mm. the chocolate chips. Pretty damn good. Uh, big believer in berries.com. It's just so easy. You know, you get a lot of credit 
they will 1,000% like – Listen, I, I, I'm not that big into roses, but if you had to pick between the two, I would just rather send the berries than the rose because you know the rose is going to die. At least you get to eat the berries. How do you feel about the uh, pink shimmer sugar and swizzles? I don't mind those at all either. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. Choose the delivery date, but here's what you need to know. Mother's Day is May 12th. That's this Sunday. Don't wait till the last minute. Visit berries.com to order freshly dipped strawberries starting at $19.99 for the moms in your life. To make mom really happy, you can double the berries for just $10 more. Yep, berries.com. Click on the microphone, top right-hand corner. Code HAM, code HAM, promo code HAM. And this podcast brought to you by Hair Club. Confidence, important. We talk about hair a lot, do's and, I guess, don'ts. The the do's and then the ones that aren't do's. Um, And sometimes one change can make all the difference. Hair Club knows this. They understand the emotions, the questions. They've got all the answers. It's very simple. Hair Club is the leader in total hair solutions. Whatever it is that you might need as a solution, Hair Club can help you with. And really all we need you to do, just go to hairclub.com slash ham, sign up. Just go sign up. It's free. It is free. Just go sign up. You know a guy that could use this Hair Club? Because you can do, either if you're losing it to keep it, or the hair restoration where they do the basically the plugs, would be Eldrick Tiger Woods. Have mm. you seen what he's rocking? He's holding on for dear life. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I would have thought he would have gone a long time ago, but he's at the point now where... I just think he's never going to do it. It's just going to just disappear. But he's just, he could use hairclub.com slash ham and go get hairclub.com. That's what he should do. Tiger Woods. Well, yeah. And all he needs when you do hairclub.com slash ham, you get the free hair health and scalp analysis for new customers plus $250 savings on any qualifying hair club service after the initial consultation. That's hairclub.com slash ham for the free hair health and scalp analysis and 250 bucks savings on any qualifying hair club service after your initial consultation hairclub.com slash ham so easy guy go do it sign up how about uh steven vote by the way was that friday hit the big home run they were down eight nothing down eight nothing uh comes in guy middle of the game like the sixth fifth or sixth because they just i watched some of but i mean i was so glued once he started balling po uh bochi was like yeah basically just kind of waved the white towel pulled posey out of there because he's gonna catch the two nights next two games and then vote proceeds to go three for three with the game tying home run in the bottom of the ninth with two outs down a run 11 to 10 not down two to not two to one 11 to 10 11 to 10 it was sweet it was i'm not gonna lie when you factor in like he had some sweet moments right with oakland like some sweet moments I, so, yeah, like, yeah, so I'll let you finish that and I'll tell you the two I think of. If you have to factor in the best moment of his career, it's different. I think he he had, I mean, I think he had hits in the playoffs, but he was, like he said, I, I, I didn't know if I was ever going to play again. Yeah. And then to hit that home run for the Giants uh, had to be a pretty, I mean, it was. You could see he was like in tears, guy. I mean, it was pretty powerful. Yeah. So, do you, do you I still th- talk to you these days? What's that? He's too big time now. Is devote respond to your texts? Or yeah, yeah, he's been very responsive. Maybe we'll. I'll try and. I, he's got his family with him there, but maybe when he's back in town, if he's alone, we can uh, get some get some time with him. For people who are new to the podcast, Stephen Vote was a weekly guest on our uh, terrestrial radio show while he was on the A's. And one time, he remembered this when I talked to him probably like a month ago. I had forgotten that he rickrolled us on the show. Do you remember this? We were in Tampa together. You were on Skype. You were doing the show, and he sang. Um, Never want to give you up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you and I, I didn't get the joke. 
until someone else explained it to us later. I still don't even really get the joke, do you? I just know that you watch a video and then that thing starts playing in the middle of a, a thing, of a video. But uh, what I was going to say, so two vote moments stand out to me. One, you know, he started his career, he'd been in Tampa, did not get a hit, becomes an A, and is hitless early on. And he started his career, I want to say it was like 0 for 28 or 0 for 32. I thought, like as a Field of Dreams fan, I thought this was going to be a Moonlight Graham situation. The guy was going to get set down, never have a hit. And then his first hit is a home run. And I can remember the day he hit it, the pregame press, the, the, just like talking people around his locker room, because they're asking him, like, man, what's it like to be 0 for 28 or whatever he was? He's like, well, you know, just keep swinging. And then, bam, his first hit's a home run. So there was that. And then I remember the divisional series against the Tigers. He had the game-winning hit in the game that uh, Sonny Gray, like, brushed Torrey Hunter back. And then this, I might have way sharper memories than most people on uh, – like the 2013 A's, but the 14 A's, but 13, I think that was. I, I also think when we introduce Steven, when we talk about him, we have to do, you know, like now up uh, two-time U.S. Open champion, Tiger Woods, you know, uh, Hall of Famer, Joe Montana. He's a two-time all-star, Steven Vogt. Like he's a fucking all-star in the big leagues twice, yeah. not once, twice. Right. And I, I was I played golf with our buddy yesterday, Brian Hawkins who played baseball at St. Mary's and had a couple buddies, you know, that played in the minors that played with him. And they all said like, it wasn't even close. He's the best. He, like he hangs his hat on two things. One, he's a left-handed hitting catcher that can hit. And two, he's like the, arguably the greatest human. Like you see Chris Rose, a lot of people in baseball were like, I don't know if this could happen to a better human. Like, and it's not fake. You know, sometimes it's, do you really think this, you know, when right, something right, happens like right. to a guy that like LeBron or something, that's on a different level. Like you don't even know this guy. I, I think like Chris Rose, he would go on their show all the time. You just fall in love with the human. Yep. He, I mean, top five most likable like pro athletes ever that have been a multiple time All Star. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. There've been a lot of good humans in baseball, but there probably haven't been multiple time All Stars that are as cool. He got he got the walk in front of Posey today before Posey hit the uh, game tying home run in Cincinnati in the Giants. He's just a game. good player. I yeah. mean, he's just. By the way, hey, shout out to Estes, huh? Doing the games this week. I, I'm not going to say this just because I like Sean and he's just, I mean, you can't ever be with a girl when Sean comes on television and they kind of go silent. Like they just start watching him. Like he's a good looking, he's like Kingsbury of baseball, but he's obviously a much better player. He was really good guy. He was. Like I was like, God, he is like, he could do this. Mm -hmm. Like I like Affelt and Javi just in terms of I like them as players. So, you know, I get it. He's on a different level, man. I'm dead serious. I think he's just kind of natural at it. Yeah, also when you do an hour of postgame, you kind of, you, you just, an hour of postgame doesn't seem like it's a three-hour game, but man, an hour of postgame, there's nothing going on in postgame. So I think he's done that for a number of years too. He's gotten pretty good at it. Yeah, Don't, do you agree though? Like whatever Kruko just can't do it anymore, would he be the guy? I, I think he'd be a great choice. I think Javi, I was texting with someone the other day. I think he's Javi's got, gotten, he's gotten better. Yeah, Javi's, I really enjoy him. Um, but yeah, I, I think Estes is fantastic. You see Morris doing this? Yeah. He actually, I unmuted it the other night. Just go, I wonder how he is. And I enjoyed him too. He got great hair, guy. You see that hair? Yeah, He's you would think it would recede a little more by now, but it's 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 stayed put. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine when he walks into a bar. Like, I, I've never been one that thrives in the bar environment. Not that great looking. It, it, to crush in a bar, usually you got to be tall. Like Morris walks into a bar, just naturally. Same with Estes. Same with the Kingsburys and the Bradys. When you're six four, you have sweet hair, and you're an athlete. 
every woman just looks at you when you walk into the bar. Like I, I can't imagine every bar more like why wouldn't that guy like going to bars? It's like shooting fish in a barrel for guys like that. I don't know if he does. I mean, he's a married man, but I'm just saying like that type of look crushes it out and about. There's a reason those guys go out a lot. It's conducive, to, you know, to getting attention. Uh, speaking of getting attention, uh, the uh, you were sending me the Lonzo Magic Barbershop. Uh, Lonzo, I, I saw two of the two of the clips. They're actually pretty likable. Um, the LeBron talking about Magic bailing on the Lakers was pretty good. That's the one I had seen. The other one about. Lo- uh, Lonzo talking about the business manager stealing from him, uh, which is also good. But the LeBron one, and then you made the point, did Magic tweet something recently? Did he tweet about the video? No. Did he just tweet about, like, the Raptors? Well, yeah, he, he'll just tweet, like, whenever anything is going on, like, super excited today for the Kentucky Derby. It's one of my favorite events of the year. Love watching the ponies run. You know, I, 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 just, I don't even need to look today. I can't wait for the Sixers and the Raptors, a oh, a game of the, elite talent. No, you're great. Here's here's what he has. Did you, do you here? You go read his last one. Just re, 42 minutes ago, Magic tweeted. I don't know who I don't know who will win the series with Toronto's victory over Philadelphia to even it up. But I do know that Kawhi Leonard has been dominating the series and put on a show today, scoring 39 points. <laughs> and then the responses will be like. I'm telling you, guys, if I'm on ease, if I got my pen out and a magic tweets and I see a, tw- uh, a tweet come up from her, I put my phone down for five minutes. I just let it marinate with the responses, and then I go, I start laughing. Thanks for the input, magic. No way, magic. Great to know. Elite analysis. Wow, magic. Big, if true. Uh, thank you, magic. Wow, thank you, sir, for that observation. Great insight. Large if correct. My dude, so were, my dude, you quit a seven-figure paying job so you could tweet this? Damn. Seven guy, he was making $10 million a hey, year. Hey, tell, tell that to uh, Mike Skeen, Matt Skeen. Cool tweet, Magic. I mean, it's just, it's just a lot of that. They're just, they're really pretty special. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I want to congratulate the L.A. Sparks general manager, Penny Toddler, for being the longest tenured, parentheses, 20 years, and most successful general manager in WNBA history. This is the kind of content we crave. Happy to see that from the restraints of being in the front office. Oh, happy to see you free from the restraints. Should have fired Rob. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's great. And it, you're right. And it's one of those, it's, you need the volume of just, it, because what makes it funny when you're reading it is just the, just random people all in unison roasting magic to his own tweets that he well, never sees your replies. One thing he did, he started tweeting, like he hit the ground running on Twitter, right? He retires or quits, or well, I don't even know how to sum it up on that, you know, that Thursday or whatever. By Friday morning, he's like, Looking forward to the master. You know, he starts going, he just gets right back into his wheelhouse. And I mean, all these Laker fans, I mean, it's just, if you had to imagine how many actual true Laker fans there are in uh, the world, what would you guess? Like 50 million? <laughs> like, I mean, there's a lot of people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy 
the fame and the position and the way it transpired and how he's just like going back to normal life now. Well, and I would say also how he gets just universally mocked for his tweets and he hasn't he hasn't deviated from his Twitter profile one bit. Guy, I, I, I think he's I, I think he's only gotten more and more basic. He, like here here would be a good one, like <laughs> I mean, just you can't Sunday, make him any. It's the fun yeah. day, <laughs> but he wouldn't even do that. Like, no, it's... it'd be like it'd be like Sunday, single day mile. Really, an incredible no. day for you know. Just no, like, it'd be Sunday. <laughs> Monday's next. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what it would be. Sunday, Monday's next. Period. <laughs> and he is. I can't even imagine. Like the level when I watched that entire press conference when he retired, like even the level of different worlds these guys live into, like even LeBron, like he is LeBron's in a more normal reality. Like he's still got kids and he's still playing like magic is in this world that I mean, there are probably a handful of humans even in that world. I was driving around the other day and I was flipping around the radio stations and I got to NBA radio. If you ever listen to that, it's like Eddie Johnson on one of the shows. And Eddie was telling this story about like in like the mid-2000s, Magic was having a birthday party. And the birthday party was in some fucking island in Europe. So Eddie got the invitation. And he's like, the invitation came in a Louis Vuitton bag. He said it was incredible. And Eddie looks and he realizes like, Magic's not going to fly you there. But if you get there, you can hang. And you, he's got a place for you to stay and everything. We got to fly there. And then he's like, God damn, my wife really wants to go, but it was going to cost me a lot of money. Then some happened like, he's like, I was trying to avoid it, trying to avoid it, but she kept hampering me. And then Magic got sick or something and they mm-hmm. had to cancel the party. And then he's like, oh, thank God. But, and they, and whoever's hosted with it, like, well, did you send the Louis bag back? He's like, no, my wife still rocks it today. But it's just like the world that I think Magic lives in. I'm even trying to think like Warren Buffett, just some of the... He might be as out of like in his own world as much as like Donald Trump. I mean, it's different, but just. I mean, again, guy, he quit the last day of the season, and it really, I think, to him wasn't even that unnormal. Well, he just had dinner with uh, Genie, so it must. He knew he. What does he care if LeBron says something about him on his show? Don't don't you agree that Magic, like, is not meant. To be any, he's a like you said. I, I'm I, I'm not one to be caged. Like I, Magic's not comfortable sitting at a desk for. To me, I would imagine over like an hour and a half if he's sitting down for like an hour and a half. He just he needs to roam. That's right. Uh, all right, John. Let's talk about the uh, the Warriors. It's good that we're doing this in part Sunday. Two reasons: one, because we're golfing Monday at Hardy Party Park, Park for the promoting the uh, 2020 U.S. Open. Do you think we're playing? Uh, I think it's a PGA Championship. P- oh, PGA Championship. Thank you. You think we're playing from the Kepka tees? Uh, I hope not. Actually, I, I just YouTubed the course. Yeah. It's actually not that difficult lengthwise. There were some really short, like, par fours, like 380-yard par fours. That's what I'm talking about. What I heard makes it hard is that over in that area, you know, it's just cold and windy. It's been, John, it's been windy. It has been windy in the city. So that days. could be a that could be a problem. Yeah, I, I didn't even consider the weather when I when I was like, I'm all in. It, you know, the PGA Championship is in two weeks because no. they moved it. 
They, oh, yeah. It's no, it's no longer the last major. They put it before the U.S. Open now. It's in two weeks. All right. Tiger, I think Tiger only plays the majors now. He doesn't play any other golf tournaments. He just plays the majors. Like Kepka. Like Kepka, yeah. Well, you see Kepka. You follow Kepka's girlfriend on, on Insta? No. They were Recommend. somewhere in a water. Well, I mean, it's just it's a lot of her with him, like mm. half naked, like in the water. I mean, they just do a lot of things together. Do a lot of swimming. Yeah, they, it just seems like they spend a lot of time together. I'd do a lot like, of swimming follow, if I was him, too. Like, you follow Paulina and Dustin. They're apart a lot. To me, Kepka and his girlfriend, they're, like, attached to the hip. <laughs> uh, what, what did you think? So, Warriors game three, game four, uh, Monday. We, uh, we talked about game three the other night. I thought this was the game they were most likely to lose left. But I did think they were going to win. You thought they were going to lose or that they, it was likely they would lose. I don't know. If, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Um, but well, I, I just think when you factor in Houston's a really good team, usually game three, right? The home team yeah. should win. I thought if they won game three, they just they might not lose another game the rest of the postseason. Uh, I thought the last thirty seconds, the Steph miss dunk to the call off the dogs, don't foul anybody, let the game end. If you're a Rockets fan and were in that building, that looked like a religious experience for them, and it was kind of I thought it was kind of just the whole thing was. I don't want to say embarrassing, but it was just kind of, if you're a turtle, you put your head back in your shell on that one. The blown dunk, I don't think anybody could have blown a dunk and that would have given Rockets fans more joy than seeing Steph blow a dunk. The story of the game was Kevin, was that Steph. How much time was that? Like 25 seconds? Yeah, like, yeah. So we're not. To me, so you get a dunk, then you foul. Let's just say they miss a couple free throws. Fucking the Warriors hit threes. Yeah, but they didn't get the dunk and then they didn't foul. It was a five point game, but yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like they kind of just quit on the game when it right. really it was just kind of the whole. It was just it was. Ugh. I was just like, oh, that's. Ugh. Yeah, it was stinky. It they, was stinky. Do you know what's crazy? Is Steph? You're right. Has been really bad. The one conversation that it really I don't. It doesn't bother me, <clears> but I, I see it a lot on Twitter. Like, why is he not held to the same standards as LeBron and Harden? Because I think a lot of these other players that when they shit the bed. James, for example, Chris, definitely LeBron, but that's just when you're the best of the best, you just are talked about a lot. Why doesn't he get crushed for shitty performances? I'm like, I think he kind of does. People just say he's bad. I agree with you. But Most also, so. like, well, okay. Like, he shot 7-23. Hey, why is he not making shots? Uh, like, how, how do you continue the conversation? Like, is he not clutch? We know he is. Can he shoot in pressure? We know he can. Like, like, he just played like crap. He's been terrible. As Marcus Thompson, who covers him slashes his friend, tweeted last night, this might be the worst game of his career. Mm. And I would imagine some young, like some box scores, you know, his rookie in a second year would probably, well, he didn't score 17 points, but I would say it's probably the worst game of his career since he's become a really well, good player. Well, because he missed, what, six layups, five of them right hand, five of them without the, that he wasn't using the injured hand to miss five of the six layups that he blew um, or like inside the restricted area shots. I mean, he missed a bunch point blank was just bad. The defensive, the, the weird rotation on Austin rivers where he like bailed on Austin and pointed to Draymond to go get him, but then rotated to no one. And then Austin hit the shot. I, I, I do think it's fair to say that even though his stats are really good and historically in the playoffs, right? Even though you're like, Oh, he's not even that good in the finals. So he's averaged like in this, five finals like 27 points feels like he averages 12 like he's scoring is that physical play when they're not blowing the whistle a lot in the playoffs does kind of throw him off a little bit like he's not as 
free-spirited just dominator, right? Like Kevin, there's nothing really you can do to stop Kevin. Like I, you watch Kawhi today, he looked like a fucking robot sent from basketball heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just I – th- I do think for his greatest Steph is, and he's probably going to go down as the second greatest point guard ever just in terms of resume, right? He's going to have all these championships. He's got a couple MVPs. Like I just don't even know who else – the only other argument would be like Isaiah Thomas. But Isaiah Thomas, he's going to have more championships – and I, I don't even know if Isaiah ever won an MVP. Now, you'd probably, like an Isaiah truther would be like, well, he did play in the league during Magic and, Mur- or Magic and Bird's era, right? And even as Michael kind of came on, like it, was, it was hard to win MVPs like from like 85 to 92. Uh, but I, if you had to pick a big playoff game, like there are probably four or five guys in the NBA I would pick before Steph Curry in a playoff game, in a must-have big game that I knew was going to be officiated pretty physically. Like that that would be the one knock on him to me historically, like really kind of setting the board because we do this a lot in basketball. Like Kawhi, you can fucking send an army at him. He's going to be able to dominate. Same with Kevin now. Same with LeBron. James, you know, different cup of tea. Even the Shaqs, the Duncans, right? There's just nothing you can do. Like there is some – like. If you're allowed to play physical, it can mess with Steph. Just because he's not really – he doesn't really hang his hat on physicality, right? You, and they just let you play a little harder in the playoffs. Did you think the ball – you think the ball – did it feel like the ball was moving in the fourth quarter yesterday, game Saturday night? Uh, I'm going to be pretty honest. I was really drunk by the okay. time that the fourth quarter came uh, going. Uh, I thought Draymond – I thought Draymond was – I mean, he's been awesome this whole playoffs. Yeah, well, he, he had a triple-double. He was great. Clay on defense was good. Iguodala hit two huge threes. How about the slow motion of the block? The double-handed Capella block. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the highlight we saw 900 times. <laughs> yeah, but it's just it just a play. play. If you just pull it up on Twitter, you just watch over and over. Well, like, especially because yeah, Iguodala, what did you say, was leading the postseason in dunks? Didn't you tell me that the other day? Yeah. Uh, this is uh, Can I, I – I mean this. Kevin Durant, I think, is going to win the MVP next year, um, wherever he's playing. Yeah. Uh, See the odds for the Knicks to win the NBA championship next year have like gone up dramatically. Really, here's his last. Here's this series plus the the last four games of the Clippers series: thirty eight points, thirty three points, forty five points, fifty points, thirty five points, twenty nine points, and then forty six points on Saturday night. Uh, I this goes back to the last podcast we talked about it, and then I, I read what Marcus wrote, and it does feel like Kevin is it. It's taken till the end, but he's getting his. His due now. And maybe part of this goes like with Steph. Like if you don't really, if people don't think you're carrying the team from a point standpoint and you're one of these superstars, like it's taken Kevin just doing this. Just do like, is he really any different than he's ever been? No. But right now people, everyone's talking about him or it feels like most people are talking about him. Like he's the best player in the world today. Kevin Durant played 50 minutes. Jesus. Uh, And he scored almost a point a minute. <clears throat> to me, I, I think the best player in the world right now is really just a two-guy conversation with him and Kawhi. Uh, I mean, Kawhi, to me, looks like Kobe Bryant mixed with Scottie Pippen. He looks incredible right now. And so, can't same with Kevin. I think the knock people would say, Kevin, like, well, his team's incredible. Now, I'd go, well, since Kevin's become a an all-world player probably these last five, six years, his teams have been really good. Like, usually good players, like elite players have good teams. Kawhi's team's good. Embiid's team's good. Like, all these teams are good. So, yeah, you play with good players. Like, I've seen him. He, the year he won the MVP, remember, it was the year, like, Russell went down, and he just got to do this all the time. 
I, I just don't know. To me, if he, you think he's going to win the MVP, my rebuttal would be like it's clear Steph's never going to win an MVP again. See, I Probably. don't know about that. Once Kevin leaves, he he could have his shot. I don't. I'm not writing Steph off. I think it'd be hard. I'm with you. I think yeah, it's gonna be okay, hard because he's already got two. But to me, you'd have to you'd have to describe Kevin's situation. Like who else is on the Knicks? Does someone come with him? Zion. Like, yeah. yeah. No. But that's... like Kevin, you know, Kevin by himself, even with Zion averaging 38 a game, and they get like the six seed. Is that an MVP? You're, you're right. It's at this point, I'm just throwing out a prediction, but it's not educated enough when I don't know where. No, the I know. Well, I'm just trying. In. I think there's like three or four guys that are just going to be in the mix. I just think we, what happens a lot is we like anoint the next guys. Like Giannis is getting his next, right? But then I, I think a lot of times what happens is the post. You watched him the other are, night. He looked fucking incredible. Yeah, so it, he might be. He might be next. But I think if Kevin keeps this up and they, if he keeps playing to some, not 46, but 35 and they win the title, I think we'll go into the offseason. By the time October, November rolls around, everyone's going to kind of agree that Kevin's the best player in the world. Now, I think LeBron's going to be a sneaky dark horse too and all that, but his team's got to be better. But well, yeah, he's got he, a lot. Yeah, LeBron's got a lot of rest. I, I, I do think I the just call LeBron a dark horse. <laughs> the one thing for Kevin. That to me, just thinking about it, if he leaves, make the MVP a little difficult. Is the entire conversation is just going to be about him leaving and then and the new place? You know, like yeah. when we talk about MVP, he'll just be with a Nick. Like he'll be a Nick. I, I that, just honestly, guy, that's going to be one of the craziest days in NBA history if he officially signs with the Knicks. Want it? Like Kevin Durant just tweets like, "I'm going to the Knicks." Like, won't that be nuts? Especially because it'll be after the lottery. Like we'll know if the Knicks have the first pick, right? You're with me. You want them to get the first pick, right? If you know he's going there. Yes. As badly as I've wanted anyone to get a first pick since the Cavs got the first pick LeBron's year. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be all for them cooking the books a little bit and freezing one of the envelopes. Isn't that what they did for Patrick Ewing? So, alleged. Underrated. If you go back to Patrick Ewing, because I went down one of these deep dives like a month ago on YouTube, I was like, you know what? Because, oh, I was watching the Big East, the, the 30 for 30, and Patrick Ewing was just so unreal. And I think people, we just talked about Patrick Ewing. I had a pretty good center. If you go back and just watch him, like, early on in the Knicks, if he was in the NBA right now, he would dominate. He was so good. Who does his body remind you of? Yeah, they, they, no human exists. <laughs> like, he, like Embiid is big. It's just bigger. Now, maybe he's out of shape. But he's, he's not. As, like, Patrick was a little more, was more oh, nimble. Oh, he could, he could fucking fly. I, I just think it gets discounted and I said this the other day like in football you go yeah like you put JJ Watt in the 70s like there's weren't as many humans that big like you meet old NFL players you can just run into Joe Montana or Ronnie Lott like they don't look just enormous we've always said you meet an old NBA player from like the 70s or 80s they look huge you meet just some random guy like Horace Grant from the 90s motherfucker's the biggest guy in the room like those guys in the 80s you put them right now in basketball and I don't think this can be in baseball, probably, too, because it's more skill-based, and I think guys were more skilled back then. But in basketball, like Jordan or Peak Magic or Bird would fucking dominate. And I think sometimes millennials, and I do this sometimes, but not with basketball, like, oh, I couldn't do it in my day. Like, they would come and they would ball. Like, what would, like, Julius Irving do in the NBA right now, yeah. you know? Or you meet – because I've met Julius Irving. Well, I shook, shook his hand at a draft party a long time ago in Philly. He's huge, guy. He's massive. Like, he doesn't – you go, oh, that's that's Dr. J. He's small. You never say that about when you meet an NBA player. Like, you, you're like, 
sitting in the green room with Doug Christie. You're like, this guy is massive. <laughs> there are rare cases, right? Like Bobby Jackson's small, but he's a, he's an outlier. Even you meet Steph, you're like, God, he's a little taller than I thought. Right. He is. And he and he's always the midget on the court, right? And I, I think it applies like football. The football aspect applies in baseball too. Like it's like, you know, guys, Mickey Mantle didn't face four relievers throwing 98 and just didn't. But, but the difference I would say though. The body types haven't. Mickey Mantle would probably be a bad example, but you get me like a legit hitter from the 70s or the 80s. Like they could really hit like a 350 guy. He would just be able to hit. Yeah, I mean, I, I look. I'm a defend. I, I, I'm not saying baseball's better now. I'm just saying these guys they didn't face the level of velocity consistently, and the and the variety of pitchers that guys face today. And it's it's I, not even fair because like you, the, all these guys today, hitters and pitchers have so much more information to analyze themselves off, and you know, spin rates and all that stuff. It's a different world. Well, I was watching. Uh, have you ever seen Enter the Dragon, Bruce Lee? No, but there's a cafe named Enter the Cafe near me, and I so I googled Enter the Dragon because my wife was like, "That's a movie." I didn't know what it was, but I have not seen well, it. It, a good it was on it was on TV today. Is Kareem uh, in it? I think he is. I didn't see that part, but it's just Bruce Lee, and he's the you know the main actor. Of the, I mean, the movie's just got a lot of action, a lot of ass kicking, and I was just like, Bruce Lee, this guy is just such an ass kicker, and. Someone tweeted at me, imagine if he could fight MMA today. And I'm like, he would dominate. And then someone immediately tweets, of course, like, well, the reason that Horace Gracie or whatever developed grappling is that usually all the the ninja type guys or the hitters always get taken out by wrestlers. And I go, well, Bruce Lee is pretty universally accepted by everyone in the fighting world as like the greatest jujitsu guy ever. And just his quickness in the movie, he's just like, it was crazy. You don't think if he would have trained, like if MMA was around and he wanted to be an MMA fighter, he wouldn't have learned like the basic parts of grappling and wrestling to be able to succeed? It's like, it's the argument with Michael Jordan. Like, he couldn't shoot threes! You don't think if Michael Jordan was 21 years old right now in the NBA with his maniacal work ethic or Kobe Bryant, that they wouldn't have hit a gym all fucking summer and came back with a three-point shot that worked? I'm watching Marcus Gasol and Joel Embiid shoot threes. Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant would have been good three-point shooters. I would bet my life on that. Just like I would bet my life on Bruce Lee if he if he wanted to, you know, in his young age, fight MMA to learn the basics to compete on the ground. You agree with that premise? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't the, – the Jordan can't shoot threes thing always cracks me up. We've talked about that before too. It's, just... it's one knock on Michael is, you know, three-point shooting percentage – yeah, yeah I, he, I took, think you, he took one every three weeks. So, so you're tell you're telling me a guy that's Michael's known as the greatest mid range shooter in the history of the NBA, he wouldn't have learned just to take a couple of steps back and shoot. I mean, you got to just it's it drives me nuts. Agreed. Same. What'd you think of the? Uh, I didn't notice the. I didn't notice Jimmy Garoppolo in the photo in the Tom Brady photo until you pointed it out because I was so preoccupied with. Cliff Kingsbury wearing blue, I don't even know, moccasin slip-on shoes. I didn't even notice he was there. Jimmy, Cliff Jimmy's been, in the Cliff, back. Jimmy's Cliff's on his toes. Been, yeah, well, he had a guy in front of him, he so did. he had to get on the toes to see him. Yep. No and Gronk. Gronk was at his own party. He's shorter than those guys, right? So you, there's some insecurity when you're a 6'2 guy with a bunch of guys 6'5", 6'6". Cliff has been going to that with Tom forever. If you go back to like old photos, 
I was thinking about this weekend, like the power of the NFL. Like Cliff's always been going to that with Tom and those guys and like Vrabel. But once you become an NFL guy, it's like, oh, Cliff Kingsbury kind of stands out in that photo. But when he was the head coach of Texas Tech, he did not stand out in the photo. It really is nuts just how much his life's changed from a fame standpoint. And I, I obviously the Kyler Murray then wrinkle added in. Then his like the team he goes to is the number one story in the sport for four months. And really it's going to be a big story this year, right? Because with Kyler starting. It's pretty crazy. Also, good, wonder, to me, a good sign that Jimmy was, you know, because there was some question like, did Tom lock him out of TB12, remember? That's right. No, I saw you make that point on Twitter. It was a good point. I did, um, I just look and I, you know, Tom was the sixth round pick in 2000. Cliff was the Patriots' sixth round pick in 2003. Brady is three years older than Cliff, or two, year, two and a half, three years older than Cliff. But they were both sixth rounders. I wonder if Tom just likes him because he was a sixth rounder turned success story. Isn't that crazy? When you just say Brady Cliff, you just assume, oh, yeah, same age or Cliff's older. Like, Tom is... Cliff was his backup quarterback. <laughs> or Tom's not even his backup, shit. like his third-string quarterback. I know. That's more a reflection of Tom. Than it, is. it is. He's of, just... Uh, the one thing I notice in every picture or every video, Edelman and uh, and Amendola were just shit-faced. I mean, they were just annihilated. And they, at the end, clearly at that nighttime... Tom bet Amendola like a hundred grand that he couldn't throw this mini football over the over the roof, and he won the bet. When Tom just casually like, yeah, hundred grand. <laughs> I saw I'm like Danny, no. <laughs> Has anyone ever casually just said a hundred grand? Like, yeah, just hundred grand. But to me, the, those two were just a wreck. Cougar Linda Instagrammed a picture of those two wreck uh, glasses on Amendola Edelman Castle in the back, Brady, Bill, and Linda. Pretty good photo. Saw Mike Reese tweeted it out. So I, I, McVeigh was there. I didn't see McVeigh interacting with any of these guys. I would imagine Vrabel was slamming some beers. I don't know where you stand on that, but where do I stand I, on whether or not Vrabel was slamming beers? <laughs> I, I, I would put him I, high up. I take the over. I don't. Does Tom drink anymore? You don't think he had a Moscow Mule or something? A bourbon, a Tennessee whiskey? I don't know. I, I think he's just. How does he eat at these functions? Yeah, lettuce wraps. He clearly likes going to that. It feels like it doesn't it feel like he's been going to this thing for like ten straight years with yeah. the crew? It's really become like you were saying, it's just such a great reflection of him. Maybe or you said somebody hit hit you up for the three and out middlecoff mailbag with a reflection of Tom, but um Well you gee, he brings your Kobe Brissett. Like if you if you, if he likes you, he, he he keeps you around. He's trying to get in that in that Kentucky Derby club. I you can't think- wait. Good sign Jimmy still gets invited? Yeah, good sign. Definitely a good sign. Definitely it was, sign. it was possible that they just kind of would go their separate ways, right? Tom kind of resented that Bill was going to replace him with him. He thought Jimmy, you know, if he thought Jimmy was a little fraudulent, I don't think he would still fake it hanging around with him, right? Now they do have the same agent. But, but it's just, but you, look, Tom doesn't have to. No, I don't. Nobody would think twice if he wasn't there, except the people that are there would be like, ah, Jimmy didn't come this year, huh? I, one reason to psychoanalyze Tom. Like, can you get your invitation revoked, or are you just there permanently? When you get to Tom's success level, and then you don't really drink, you don't get to just fuck around as much anymore in public. So I think he why he likes, I mean, he <laughs> loves Gronk, Edelman, and Amendola so much, because he can kind of live vicariously through them. Like, bring them around, let them be the biggest fucking idiots at the party, and just get shithoused. And he gets to just kind of enjoy it with him. Like Andy Reid's agent, Bob Lamont, 
is a big drinker, and he's Gruden's agent. He's all these guys' agent. But Andy, you know, doesn't drink or anything. I've always been told – he's never told me this, but he kind of likes – like Bob's coming in, reeks of booze, swearing. Like they, they don't really have that much in common, but he like lives vicariously through them. Yeah. You know, I think you get to that point. You need a couple people like that in your life. But again, you're living vicariously through like the number one agent. You know, Tom's living vicariously through Julian Edelman. But then he doesn't wake up with a headache the next day. <laughs> I know. And he gets to laugh when he's at brunch and they're late and they just sees all the sees all the videos. Yeah. It didn't I, look like Jim, Jimmy didn't have any alcohol in his hands. Maybe he's focused. Yeah, maybe he's been uh, instructed to lock in. Um, <laughs> I saw I, someone tweeted that like castle on one photo in that photo was between he's like no human should ever have to stand between kingsbury and jimmy garoppolo it's not fair to any man uh i did i do we're recording this on a sunday i can't wait john for the uh 22 minute delay in the super bowl while we sort out a pass interference so i i was catching you up on it i don't know the first thing about horse racing in terms of the rules Kentucky Derby is not like big on my radar, although I've probably watched it every year. I just was like, oh, I saw Twitter. It's on. I flipped it on. The race happened. Boom. The guy wins. I changed the channel. And then Twitter, I realized, is telling me that I should go back because there's a, a, a challenge, basically. They go back. They overturn it. The horse that won. Uh, I find Michael the, cool, depression I find or whatever the, I find name the was. coolest part, guys, all these, all, like Aaron Rodgers, all those guys go. That's why it feels like a big deal to me. Even well, everybody like, that had money, those guys, whoever, whichever one of them bet money, you thought the one horse won, and then they disqualified him after a 22-minute delay, and the horse to finish second one because I guess you can't like, you can't move over into another horse, and it it's dangerous. Um, and I guess they were. I was reading one story. I kind of did a deep. I was reading a bunch of stories about it Sunday because I don't understand horse racing really. And one of the things they said, one of the one of the jockeys that basically did the challenge because it was a dangerous move said, I don't blame. I don't think the jockey moved the horse. I think the horse just moved over because apparently that part of the track, they say after you come down that last turn, you come down the home stretch was, which is where it happened. You get hit with like this wall of sound. Cause that's where the big grandstand is. And it, and it can spook the horses. And they think that's what happened. It's just that the, the horse just got kind of spooked. And even when they did the post-race interview with the guy while he thought he was the winner that later got disqualified, he kind of said, like, yeah, he was a little shaky there. But he was dominant. Like, he was Reggie Bush Heisman, the best horse on so the So are they blaming the horse more than the jockey? They're just – well, they're not blaming. They're just saying they don't the, – basically, the jockey that filed the challenge was saying, I'm not blaming the other jockey. I didn't think he tried – because it's a dangerous move to like move over in front of another horse at the last second like that. He's like, I don't think he was doing that. I don't think he was trying to get the horse to do that. That's my thing. Like if, if he's not, and I think it's fair to say everything I've read or just saw on Twitter was they're basically accusing the horse of cheating. Like, but, but, but I mean, essentially, because I think they're all acknowledging, like I don't, the jockey didn't do this on person. The horse got spooked, but so a horse getting spooked can screw. Like it's one thing if a, if a human in a human sport, right. Intentionally does something wrong. Like, the horse is just running because someone's hitting the fucking horse down the track. How Gotta have better control over the horse. It's, how does this stuff not happen more often? I think it does, and it just it's an automatic. From everything I've read, it's something that you just, that's a DQ. Like, it, it's just, if it was a Tuesday at some random track in Sacramento. Automatic it, it DQ. But it was just like, do they have the guts to disqualify this horse that was clearly the best horse in the Kentucky Derby? Miracle Mile. What was the horse's name? Uh, I, I destruction, destruction king, or something. Yeah, I, what did I just call him? Maniacal depression, or yeah, uh, uh, Zoloff, uh, uh amb- a- ambient, maximum you know, security, I, I, maximum security, maximum security, awful horse name. 
Well, the 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 horse that won, right? Country was house. Six, was 65 to 1. Yeah, who would finish that second has, but then got the is win. That, that has to be one of the biggest underdogs ever to win the Kentucky Derby, even though it didn't officially win the Kentucky Derby. It officially won it, but unofficially it didn't finish first. Did they do the right thing? Like, you know, I've said for a long time, I think the purpose of sports is not to get, we're not here to get it right necessarily. We're just here for entertainment. Like, the first baseball series didn't happen because people were like, we need to find out who the best baseball team in America is. It's just entertainment. And a 22 minutes replay review, I don't care, whatever. It delayed the hockey game, so it it didn't bother me. But, like, could you imagine if we had a 22-minute pass interference delay in the Super Bowl? Well, here's the thing, though, guy. I agree. The premise of all these things. We're just going to race. So you finish first. Like, most basic athletic, you know, event, right, is just running straight. Who's fastest? Yep. Grab a horse. The Who runs one. fastest? And then it just developed into different sports. Now baseball, like, oh, gloves and a ball and a bat. It was just 100% just basic entertainment. But that has dramatically morphed. And the amount of money to me that's on the line, I say this all the time, the amount of money that's on the line I do get in all these sports, and that one, I mean, the the one of the main premises of fucking horse racing is gambling, right? Mm-hmm. So that's it's a big deal to get it right. Right. Like I, I do think, because I've kind of come away. I, I wasn't watching this live. The twenty two minutes where a lot of people are like, what is going on? That would it feel like when you were watching it. Yeah, although as someone who doesn't watch horse racing a lot, I was I enjoyed it. Like I enjoyed those twenty-two minutes of something dramatic happening, but if it was a football game, I would not feel. Well, who was was like Tariko or Jimmy, whatever? Yeah, Tariko and Tom. They were all just on, I guess. Yeah, just talking like they're talking about it, going through it. Mm -hmm. I I am a believer, guy. It sucks, but technology does add a huge element to like. Why would you not use it? You know. Yeah, to me, the argument. And I, and I am totally open-minded in this in terms of this discussion. To me, this, this one this one feels like a pretty black and white one where everyone goes that knows horse racing because the equivalent would be if that was football, every fan on Twitter knows the rule and right. would be like, oh, it's an easy DQ. I think this gets kind of got controversial. But I think also sports imagine fans it's a like you and me who don't even know. But imagine it's a pass, right? But but have gambled a lot of money. There was one guy a rocket mortgage promotion like. They pay off your mortgage, or you get a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars for your mortgage, right? Like they just get, they just give it to you. Well, like different people had different horse. Like the one guy that ended up winning it won it because the other horse got DQ'd, and the then Country House won, and he won two. And they showed him he was going nuts. Like it was pretty cool, but that meant on the other end there had to be somebody else who lost it. Like it's hopefully Rocket Mortgage, Rocket Mortgage pays them both. But yeah, I mean, I think the point it's 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 really hard. Uh, like the when do you stop using replay to me i think we're probably past the point where it has adversely affected the joy that people get out of the sport i think it has negatively affected to a point now the sport like i forgot i'd forgotten until a month ago when i called a college baseball game and there was no challenge and like there was a bang bang play at first and that was the play was over and i was like this is a this is awesome this is awesome it's just it's over the play there happens a, it's done and everyone moves on like i loved it there was a play might have been the four overtime game, like in the late in the game, of the Nuggets Blazers. The out of bounds at midcourt. Yeah, and everyone tweeted. I don't know what you tweeted, but I just remember Marcus Thompson. Every pickup game in America. Yeah. That's out on you know CJ McCollum. Uh, my, my response actually was the opposite. I'm like, well, it did touch off the guy's fingers, so, so it's like I get it, 
but it touched off the motherfucker's fingers. That's I. So I've here, hold on. So like, this happened in him. the this happened in the NCAA tournament. Remember, in a backcourt, I think Virginia chased a guy down. That play is really hard for that ball not to go off the dribbler's fingers. Like so I think is, that ball isn't it, isn't it a good play by the defender? Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, I agree with. Like I think that play is fundamentally. It should be the ball of the guy dribbling the ball, right? You agree? Like CJ McCollum hit it out. I don't remember who was dribbling. Do you remember? Yeah, it might have been like Jamal Murray or let's one say of those Jamal guys. Murray. Like yeah. I, what to me, what is just in the world is that's Jamal Murray's ball after CJ McCollum knocks it out. But I think my guess, John, is if we looked at ten of those plays, nine of them, if we really slowed it down, are off the guy's finger. It just all it's going to hit that yeah. guy's finger last as it's like rolling off his hand. I, I'm with you on the Chris Paul midcourt leap into it like you're what are we even doing but to me that play yeah like you because i think the mindset of everyone this would never happen on a pickup basketball court well this isn't pickup basketball one and two i I don't mind rewarding the defender like i i was all for the blazers getting the ball i i thought i like that and and i'm not i'm one of those that hates all the other stuff yeah but that's one that I feel like I went against the crowd because I saw everyone hated it, and I, I like it. Yeah, I, just I think, think they got it right because it went off the guy's hand. I, but I'm just saying I think nine times out of ten it will just kind of hit that guy's finger last because the ball is on is in his hand. But to me, a lot of times where it happens, the ball the ball handler is kind of fucked because he's usually like you know with his back dribbling mm-hmm. against yeah. like a baseline or something. Yeah. So it's like I. It's not just the middle of the court because it wouldn't happen right in the middle of the court because if I hit it off you and you're dribbling straight, it just goes behind you. But that's a play. I, I have no problem rewarding the defender. I get I, it. I, I no, really I get don't. it. I, like I said, I just think what's what's typically like right, – to me it's the same as like when a guy slides at second base and is popping up and like in between the pop-up and putting his foot down, he just kind of comes off like a millimeter and, th- and then he's out because the glove was on him. Like, come on. Well, to, to me, I, I was watching some highlight – of like eighties major league baseball. And you know, back then when you pulled the double play, I, I don't even think the guy would get like five feet close to yeah, second base back. Correct, and correct. it was like, this is ridiculous. I mean, not even in the vicinity. And they're like, bang, bang. You know, see, I love I mean, that guy, play I, because it's, you're protecting the guy from a hard guy, slide. I, you know, I'm saying one thing to like, kind of slide over and no problem with that. I'm talking three to four bags over, you know, not even. In yeah. The you world. shouldn't three and to four you know, bags, but I'm in that? favor of a bag. The throw for him. I'm I'm in favor of being a bag off. Like yeah, well that's part of the deal. You're not throwing the ball right down the in between the eyes of the base runner too. Yeah, but I think if you went back and studied, a bag would have been would have been uh, close. I, a lot well, of men. that's fine. I'm in favor of the neighborhood play. I, I like it. It's gone now, and mostly it is gone now, and I, I hate now that it's you gone. Can, you can review it now if you don't touch the bag, right? Yeah, it's just to me, it's just like that's where the pickup comes into play. Is like. The once you put officials in, once officials are involved, now people will try to deceive. So when Chris got that call on Clay, did you see that call late, late in the game? Chris kind of like jumps into Clay, and Clay doesn't. Clay's just like doesn't touch him, and Chris does the flail, and Clay kind of Clay never really loses it on calls, and he lost it. It was one of those like if you did that and pick a basketball, everyone would be like, dude, what is wrong with you? They, they tell you to leave. Yeah, like, stop, man. But I, I I think he's worse than James. I really do like with uh, the yeah. with with the antics. Yeah. I, I I think you could probably argue he's one of the worst in NBA history with the antics. Right. I mean he's an he's an all timer. What I don't get about Rockets Twitter is like I, Warriors Twitter understands why other people hate Draymond, 
And like I always say this example when we were growing up, the Kings, like it always drove me nuts that Weber and Vlade argued about everything and then Vlade flopped. I hated it. But Rockets Twitter doesn't even seem to understand why people get mad at Harden. They're like, you, you're just playing to the rules. Like they don't even get it. Like it's okay if you just stand for him. Like I, that's fine. Like I got no issue with that. But I, they don't even I, understand why. Well, I, I, my, my take would be when you have a guy that's that good, is probably going to win multiple MVPs, probably the second best player. Like him and him and Akeem by a mile, right? The two best players in the history of the franchise. You just look at that guy with too much emotion, so you don't think straight. I, I and I, I think this same can be said for Steph. Yeah. You know, like he, there's, it's hard to say bad things about Steph around here. Right. You know, right. that's why it started getting weird. Like last year, like what the fuck's Aaron Rodgers doing? Even Packer fans were like, is Steph still good? But they were in a weird spot. Once you get a certain level, you, you kind of. You get the the fans have your back no matter what, right? Like <laughs> yeah. like Tom Brady eclipsed that ten like he's probably the most right in Boston six rings. Him and Bill are just on a level. They'll go to fucking war for you. Steph's damn close. You know I think people like Draymond, calm down. You know no one even says it to Steph. Right. Like the worst thing is like that was a bad pass by Steph. It, it could be a pass. That he throws it out of the arena, and that would be the reaction. Oh, that's a weird pass. You know, just, no one really gets mad at him. He's kind of just the made man. And I think Harden, which would suck being a Rockets fan, because if you're a basketball fan, there's part of you that's like, God, this is kind of weird. You know, I don't love doing this, but I'm all in. This is my squad, and he's my best player by a mile. So you just roll with that guy. You ride with that guy. That's what sucks when your best player. It's why bad teams, fan bases are just so weird. You know, it's why the Raiders Twitter got so weird for a long. You just get jaded in the way you're looking yeah. at things. And, yeah. if, you know, Cleveland Cavaliers Twitter, you know, when LeBron left, I'm sure it's like the Giants Twitter right now because you don't even have anyone to kind of hang your hat on. Well, yeah, because what happens is like your best player, there still is a best player on your team. And you treat him like he's a best player when he's a, he's a sixth best player. Well, I, I saw the, uh, the Giants rookie minicamp tweeted out this video, Daniel Jones throwing dimes. And I was like, that's I what they the, titled it. Uh, yeah, I bet the responses of this are either dimes or darts, and it was like a minute montage of just a bunch of guys kind of looking like me and you out there catching balls from Daniel Jones. And I was like, I'm gonna be interested in the responses. But there were some of the responses like, guys, he's a giant now. We gotta get his back. Yeah, you know, I love, he's I love, our I love, guy now. I love that fan. <laughs> yeah, he's our guy now. We gotta support. Right. And then most of them were like. I want to kill Gettleman, you know, but there was, there was a decent amount of like, we got to support this guy. And you just know, it's like this guy of all the athletes in probably sports, that guy's so before behind the eight ball. I feel, I kind of feel bad for him. Uh, all right, John, a couple things. Uh, speaking of, uh, uh, having our guy, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, they're, they're each other's guys. John Lynch was on the uh, TK podcast, Tim Kawakami's podcast and said about the reports that there was a rift between the two of them. What was the um, what was the word, the Brett Favre word back in the day when it was Brett and A-Rod? Not chasm. Was it chasm? Chasm? It was a different word. Like Peter King wrote it? Yeah, remember there was like a word that no one had ever used, and then it came up with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, and then it was, everyone was making fun of that word. Chasm? No, nah, I wasn't, I don't think it was that. But anyway. You don't think, you don't think Brett would invite Aaron to uh, the Kentucky Derby? What a bizarre relationship. You know, looking back, that relationship is very Rodgers, right? 
Like, are we sure it was all Brett? Exactly. <laughs> you know, looking back, because as time's gone on, it sure feels like a lot of people like Brett. I, you know, and no one can dis- dispute, you know, his ego and all that BS. But are we sure that it was 100% all Brett's fault and not maybe closer to 50-50, which it might have been? Like, is there a chance Brett's just like, what is wrong with this guy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but this is what John Lynch said to Tim. I think Kyle summed it up as succinctly as you can when you respond complete BS. I would just add complete and utter. Because, listen, if people want to speak to the effectiveness or the quality of our draft picks, everyone's entitled to an opinion, to their opinion. But this is the one thing. Kyle and I came into this together. I had a good gig doing broadcasting. I didn't need to leave. And I came in because I wanted to work with someone. He was looking for someone to work with. We talked long before we did it. Uh, not long because it happened fairly quickly, but we talked about what would be that we're in this together. Win or lose, on and on and on. Uh, so what is this? It's year three. People are looking for things, and we're very confident, as I've said, with the way we've grown this team, and we understand full well that this is a production-based business. Now we got to go win, period. What would you guess Lynch was making as the number two guy at Fox? You know, I don't know. We've talked about, I don't know. Million bucks could I, I be like five hundred grand. I can make guesses. I, I really don't. It wouldn't be a good guess, though. Let's do a big range here. Somewhere between five hundred and a million dollars. He was doing sixteen games. Yeah, but I, I would imagine he did other stuff. Maybe he yeah, didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, to me, he'd have to be making. This is going to sound when you do the per game. It's going to sound low. I mean, I'm guessing he was making. God, I don't know. At least fifteen thousand a game, but you multiply that only—that's two forty. So I, I would think he was making more than that, but I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, let's go. Fifteen thousand my low. Maybe he was making twenty a game. Yeah, I, I did twenty-five times seventeen. Yeah, four twenty-five. Twenty-five thousand dollars sound crazy a game? I don't. I, yeah, I don't. It's hard. I, I'm not sure. Would you? Would you do games for twenty-five thousand dollars? Yeah, a game? I mean, I would. <laughs> like, depends on how flexible they are with my schedule. <laughs> Yeah, but even like when you do the math, twenty-five times seventeen, assuming he does a game every week of the year, still is under five hundred grand. You're right; it sounds a lot per game. Then you do the math, you're like he was only making four hundred twenty-five grand. But you're right. Then you take a step back and go, wait a second, only for seventeen weeks of work. Like exactly. So yeah, he he's probably making let's say five hundred grand. Okay. Which kind of seems low, but you're right; it should be that should be the number if he's only doing seventeen weeks. Well, he makes four million dollars now. And I've heard he works a shitload. Like, he's not he's not going magic here. He's legitimately in the office a lot. And one thing he mentioned with Tim on the podcast, he's like, you know, one thing I take pride in, and Kyle often tells me during the year, like, go home. Like, because I'll just – I want to be in, like, the offensive staff room or the defensive staff and just hear them, like, game plan week. Just talk about players. It helps me kind of get a feel for what they're talking about and looking at. And I think the one thing he values, right, is just being a part of this. Like, he got – he didn't come back for the money. He was already rich. He came back for the juice, the competition, and he's just a football guy at his core. Like, I think he likes being around the coaches, like, talking ball. Like, that's what he likes. Like, Elway, to me, likes that, but, like, if if Elway thinks you're an idiot in the room, you probably think about firing you about halfway through a meeting, you know? Like, I think John Lynch wants to like everyone. He's just – and that when that report came out, it's just – I don't think Kyle is above – hating people because clearly you see the way he is with players like once he's you're dead to him you're dead you just he he is the surly honorary one but i i just think john is just too talented of a leader for kyle to not like him and and john also told uh tim this he's like uh 
he's like, our families do a lot of stuff together. Like our kids, like our, our wives hang out. Like we, people don't realize this because obviously like we go home, but like we spend probably too much time together. I, I, I think John, at least maybe he's naive to this, thinks that they have an excellent relationship. And, and my theory and the theory we talked about on the show, maybe there was just some jealousy like Sean McVay. It just, he doesn't have to do much with personnel. It doesn't feel like. And the thing I wrote in the in my athletic article last week, well, my rebuttal, again, if that theory was even true, would be like, well, Kyle, you make way more money than him, one, and you have way more juice in the organization than him, too. And as of right now, you've accomplished a lot less. Yeah, like ultimately you're saying again, how much can he blame John Lynch for drafting Solomon Thomas? He has control over player personnel. Yeah. If you're Kyle. Like at the end of the day, if you're mad at him, you should be mad at yourself if we, and that's if we assume that like he let him make that pick. Well, because if, if I was Lynch and I screwed up that pick and he did screw up that pick because he's not good, I would constantly throw back because the one thing my theory has always been, I bet Kyle did not like Patrick Mahomes at all. If I was John and that ever came up that, well, you, you thought Patrick Mahomes was the sixth best quarterback in the draft. We've said before, there is a chance, and this is going to sound insane right now, that on Kyle's personal board, he had C.J. Beathard ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Do you, do you believe that's possible? Yeah, I, I don't it's believe it's possible. I'd say it's probably like more than likely possible. He likes CJ CJ Beathard, especially like I'd rather have this guy in the third round than take this guy in the first round. Yeah, well, definitely, yes, that certainly. Yep. Yeah, maybe he didn't have him. Hopefully, not a better player, but just in that conversation, like I would rather just I don't want this guy. I will say this: the last thing Lynch said, like I don't think they've been waiting. I think it feels like now year three, the pressure's coming on them. I doubt that they've waited till year three to feel the pressure, right? Like, like John said, I didn't leave the broadcast. Like, he left the broadcast booth. I'm sure he felt pressure right away. Kyle, there, there was pressure from, last year when Jimmy coming into his first year as a, I mean, as a full time starting quarterback after the contract. But I, I bet year one they felt it. Like Kyle doesn't seem like a doesn't feel any pressure guy, right? So I don't think this is new to them. Like to put up or shut up this year. Like now it's time. Are they changing anything they do? Because we're all talking about now it's time. Like, okay, yeah, now it's time. I got three more years on my contract, but sure, now it's time. I think they've probably pressed from day one. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, but, my guess how, is that's how high level how people usually are. Remember how miserable Kyle looked when they were like one and ten? Year yes. One? And remember how happy they were when they won a game? I think part of it was because they really wanted to win. They were trying to win. I, you know. Well, the, the, you who had it this year was Gruden. Like, fuck this. We, we ain't doing yeah. this. Again. This I I didn't come back for this. The the money doesn't help with this. This is miserable. No one in the league wants to win, and no one that famous, that rich, they ain't in it for a seven year build. Now you are like draft develop that type stuff, but I I I I'm with you. I I don't think that they've changed probably one iota. I I just think there is something to it. Whether it's the coaching, whether it's the training staff, whether it's the wrong players. They gotta find a way to keep their best players on the fucking field, because they don't have enough of them to constantly like. Oh, God, you see the injury report for the Niners? It was pretty nuts. You couldn't watch a Niner game and not see at minimum two guys go down. Well, they've they've changed that staff. So right. you know what? When I heard Lynch talk about it, Lynch or Kyle, one of the two of them, and they made a good point. I never thought about it like this. He said one problem was we wanted to streamline everything. Like, I don't have time to constantly be monitoring as the GM. You know, should this guy be lifting? How many reps should he get at practice? Is he in the training table? So they basically just put the weight room and the training staff and the doctors 
they hired one guy to be kind of the czar, and everyone answers to them, and they're all on the same schedule. So the weight room guy is never searching for the training camp guy or training table guy. Is when the doctor, they're all on the same page, and I think that they felt. Now again, this get better is going to translate to less injuries. We're about to find out, but they just there was a miscommunication in these different departments, and maybe that happens with the amount of turnover the Niners have had, right? For all these new coaches, different way of doing things. Probably even the trainer would tell you, well, I had four coaches in four years. Just everyone, you know, Chip had all these ideas, and Tom Sula didn't know fucking his ass from his elbows, and Harbaugh just drive you nuts. Now Kyle is much easier to talk to, but he doesn't care. You know, it's just, it's probably hard. It's just, it, it was just a matter of probably inevitable. If you have four straight coaches in four straight years, some of the holdovers, it's just hard in different departments, non-coaching. It's hard to know what's going on probably all the time. Yeah. Uh, big big weekend for Hunter Renfro, John. What was that? Well, I mean, you got you got uh, J- uh, John Gruden talking about Hunter Renfro and his big role, and then I'm watching TV today. Hunter Renfro hit a walk-off home grand slam for the Padres against the Dodgers. So both Hunter Renfro's having good weekends. They're not related, right? No, they spell their last name differently. I think one of them spells it with an E at the end, and one of them spells it with a W. I saw the Raiders took a pretty cool pick. They got like 10 coaches. They all had like Clemson sweatshirts on, and then they got the three Clemson guys they drafted, and they just tweeted like, big day for Clemson. I think they might have worn to practice. Because DJ, uh, the number one quarterback in the country, verbaled to Clemson for the 2020 class. That was the guy you were just with at the practice, right? Saw him at Oregon, yeah. It was between how Oregon ma- how, and Clemson. How massive is he? Huge. He's one of he's like six five, he's massive, and he kinda looks like he's gonna keep he's gonna grow a little more. You know what? Did you know that he threw ninety six? Yeah. I mean, he went to Bosco. Tim DeRuiter's high school. So he is gonna play baseball and football at Clemson. I mean, that's what they say. <laughs> you think Clemson's got a pretty good thing going right now? <laughs> uh so this was what uh John Gruden said about Hunter Renfro, and it does feel like he's going to have a big role with the uh, receivers. Um, they, traded, they traded up to get him. The big thing for That's Hunter, he needs to understand we're going to move Antonio Brown around a lot, and if we move Brown a lot, that means he's going to have to be able to move around and do a lot of things, not just line up in the slot and be a slot every single down. He's going to have to move to the right, to the left, inside, outside, go in motion, do it all. That's something we're going to have to find out as we move on. I mean, you just go through the Raiders' depth chart at wide receiver, and you can see pretty quickly how Hunter Renfro catches isn't just involved a lot. Maybe catches a lot of passes this year. Well, they cut Seth Roberts, so that guy who's been Seth hadn't played well in a couple of years, but that position is gone. I, I I would say this to Gruden: like Hunter Renfro is a slot receiver. Now I get certain packages you got to move him around, but that is not like the the this is where coaching factors in. You don't ask. Julian Edelman to play outside. He kills you inside. That's where he's going to make his money. If Hunter Renfro's on the field, he should be playing in the slot. Now, if you're moving Antonio Brown in the slot, the package should involve other players. Now, I get he was just trying to build this guy out. Like, he's going to have to do more. But I'd say that, John, I don't think he's capable. Like, he's not going to play it. He's not an outside receiver. Julian Edelman's probably the best slot receiver in the league or one of them. Jarvis Landry is another guy. They don't ever play outside because the skill set is completely different. Now, it's different because guys like Antonio Brown or, you know, Julio, those guys can always do everything. But in a perfect world, Antonio Brown, like when you watch him with the Steelers, where was he? He's fucking flexed out wide, kicking ass, taking names. And then they had 
they remember they traded for Ryan Switzer. He didn't really stick on, but Juju and they just have other receivers. But he plays outside. I, I don't think you need to move Antonio Brown a lot around a lot. Now maybe he's worried like we're going to get double coverage. You just p- gave twenty five million dollars to the deep threat from Chargers, Tyrell Williams, and if Hunter Renfro, who is a good player, can kill in the slot, you're not able to double Antonio because you just throw it to other guys. It should be wide open, in theory. Uh, J.J. Nelson, Marcel Aitman, Keelan Doss, UC Davis. Uh, Dwayne Harris is on the Raiders, John. A returner. I, I, I think I would go. Keon Hatcher, Saheed Blacknall. If I had to guess the group, I would go Antonio Brown. What would you say, Locke to make team? I'd give him a chance. Uh, yeah. Him and Williams, 1,000% locks. Then I'd say the next three spots are kind of up for grabs. Like to me, Ryan Grant's not a lock. Keelan Davis could beat him out, or excuse me, Keelan Doss, the UC Davis receiver. Guy, he went to the Senior Bowl, played well. There were talks about him going like the third or fourth round, and then they got him as an undrafted free agent. And I actually think it's smart that he went to the Raiders because as an undrafted free agent, unlike being drafted, you get to pick your spot. You want to go to a place where. There's just a lot of open spots. Right. And he I, didn't pick the Raiders because he's from Alameda. He picked them because they have two receivers, three receivers on their team. Well, I, I saw that he said that Gruden told him, and I think Gruden, who lies a lot, because I saw that Gruden, John Lund had a great tweet the other day when Gruden's like, you know, we didn't pick up Carl's fifth-year option, but that doesn't mean we don't want him and he's not a great leader on the team. Like, And then Lund's like, no, John, you literally just drafted his replacement in the first round. Didn't he say and lie you did better? not pick up his fifth yeah, lie better. That was his lie better. So he does lie a lot, but I think when he told Keelan Dosh, you can make this team, he wasn't lying. Because I, I do think he can, and I, I do think he might. Uh, now, he fell in the draft, I, I've heard, for medical reasons, so who, who knows. But, like, I, I was watching Grant Cohn go nuts about the Niners on his periscope, and he was crushing Wilton Spate. And Wilton Spate's terrible. I mean, he's an, he's... I don't know how he played in major college football. It's pretty, it's pretty nuts the, the level in which he played in college football for his talents. Like he, he played at fucking Michigan and UCLA. It's, that's insane. So when 30 years and he hasn't played football in 30 years, he'll be able to tell everyone I played at Michigan and I played at UCLA quarterback. But he's the 49ers quarterback right now at this camp, and it's just because Jimmy's it was, in Kentucky. And Jimmy's not even allowed to be at rookie minicamp. Well, neither uh, – what's his name? Mullins played too much last year, and C.J. Beathard is now too old. Well, if you were an undrafted free free agent quarterback, you would not come to the Niners, right? They don't just have two quarterbacks. They got three. You wouldn't go to the Raiders either. No, they got, and they don't have – I mean, the, I, I, I don't have no clue who their rookie minicamp quarterback was, but he might even be worse than Spate. They legitimately have four guys <clears throat> who have all played in the NFL. Landry Jones, Mike Glennon, Nate Peterman. I bet the Raiders quarterback for the minicamp was like some dude from like Weaver State or Cal Poly or just some, you know, local just rando. Well, apparently they rando John, they apparently invited. Now, this is a six day old story. Marcus McMarion. So Fresno State, that's the opposite yeah. of rando. Take it back. Yeah, I, I think he was a rookie quarterback. He's not making a team. No. All right. Uh, on that note, uh, what time uh, you, I, I've. We you ready for some golf, golf guy? Yeah, boy, I have not played golf since November, probably, and I'm ready. I'm just going to get out with the uh, with nature. You know, that's really yeah. why I wanted to go. I, I've never, I've never, I have not played at Harding Park. How long do you think it will take me door to door? Do I have to leave at seven to get there by nine? 
tee off at 10, get there at 9? I don't think so. But, I mean, I know 7? Well, I'm bad. I, I See, I don't. I'm never coming into the city at 7 a.m. I'm guessing it's not ideal. Would you want to, you know what you could do? Would you want to BART in and then I could drive you the rest of the way? I don't know if you want to go and BART with your clubs. Too difficult. Seems like a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. You could try and hit the range beforehand? Uh, I mean, I'd be down if, they, if it's even open. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll report back. Keep an eye what, on that. Uh, what time are you going to get there? It's a great question. I hadn't quite. I was thinking around 8. I got to get on the range. been a while. Two hours on the range, John. Get my swings in. Get all my swings out. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to leave here around like 7, but I, I think it legitimately might take me two hours. Have you seen the previews for Kristen Cavalieri's show? Uh, with Jay? No, different show. She's hosting a show where it's like six dudes, five girls. I can't quite figure out exactly what it is. And you just go. It's it's just hooking up at a hotel, Paradise Hotel. There's a game. I don't know what the game exactly is, what the end game is. This but, this show sounds right in my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's. Uh, let me see if I can find find you a, a promo for it because it's like there's one scene where it's like pick who you're gonna hook up with right now, and they got like the dudes on one side and the girls on the other side, and like both sides like huddling up. It is so bizarre, and I just saw that show and I thought, um, you know, how can people blame social media for like the demise of human race? When that show has existed longer than Twitter, like some version of that show has existed much longer than Twitter. And I would say, unlike Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or what Snapchat, there is no upside to that show. Like that is just all bad. Like there's no positive. It's just all bad. Well, social media gets all this flack and no one says anything to Kristen Cavallari about, you know, ruining Earth. You know, what about her helping spread diseases? <laughs> Getting more people that are uh, immune to is she ta- uh, is she taking the show seriously? I mean, what do you mean by seriously? Like she's like, just she's the host of it, and it's kind of out. It's just a ridiculous show. Paradise Hotel. That's what kind of a about. genius premise to a show. Like it's gonna you agree it's gonna get some eyeballs. Well, yeah, but it's I mean that sh- some version of this show has existed. Yeah, it's been going on forever. Yeah. Hold on, let me see if I can get you a, a Paradise. Are, are most Hotel of the people pretty good looking trailer. in the show? <laughs> yeah. Like guys, all Marina Bros. Jack, yes, whip, just all under thirty, just... hot, smoking. Kristen Cavallari, welcome to Paradise Hotel. Come for the romance and stay for the drama that will have all of your friends talking three nights a week. Eleven. Right now, it's just bikini people. Do whatever it takes to win this competition, and the rules are really simple: hook up or you're checking out. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? So it's basically just come for the sex. Hook up or you're checking out. So the only premise to survive on the show is to hook up. That's that's as far as I know. Now, is that really how the game's played? I have no idea, but it's a can someone say no, I don't want to hook up with them, or are you forced to? I I mean, this is gonna there are gonna be some outlandish think pieces about this show, right? But again, John, this show this this show has existed, you know? But that forever. Guess what? And the, the whole promo sell. is just people in bikinis, by the way. Any any dude body fat over like 6%? <laughs> no. No, they all look like DK Metcalf. <laughs> Do you know what would be a show that I think a lot – would anyone watch this? Because hmm. people just – I think in Hollywood or executives in television just think people like watching good-looking people. And that's right. been pretty consistent with the history of television. Pretty safe. Right? Yeah, pretty safe. What if you just had a bunch of random people, like with body types like me and you, just normal-looking humans, normal-looking girls, 
and just bad kind of bodies. Like, would anyone watch the show? But it Didn't would be that show, wasn't there a show like that? Biggest Loser? No, no. Wasn't there a dating show where it was not all models? Didn't they make? It, wasn't there a specific? And it, and it just was, and it went bad. Man, I don't. Do you, you, you think you just naturally, like, when you're watching something, like, you just gravitate toward better looking people? I mean, it clearly is a formula that works, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably one of the most basic formulas uh, that exist in entertainment. Yeah, uh, or just formulas in anything, right? Yeah, in anything. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, podcast I mean, great me- That's why podcasting <laughs> is a great medium. It really is. I mean, thank thank God for the audio medium, or else I, I mean I'd be fucked. You you have great air. <laughs> yeah. But... All right. Yeah. yeah, it's just you know the the world's a cruel place if you got a little you know chub on your stomach. Yeah, double chin. Your shirts if you don't fit in the medium or a small. That's why. That's why uh, untuck it's good. All it right. is. Make have a good one. Untuck it's on the course. See you tomorrow. And if you're listening, we're probably playing golf mid-listen. So, Yeah, tweet at us. Let us know. Somebody's going to come up with the word that became a big word between Favre and Rodgers. I've been Googling I don't, I don't even remember that, to be honest with you. It was like in the initial report. I feel like the reports with Favre and Rodgers were less about how weird it was and more about Brett being a drama queen. Like, just thinking back now, it was like 10 years ago, maybe even longer than that, wasn't it? Like, he was yeah. always kind of playing with their emotions, quitting and then not quitting. And then when they did it, the one thing I vividly remember is people were like, Ted Thompson's nuts. Because he, he got a guy, like, That's they right. they got some balls. Because they, right. they basically told Brett, you're not welcome back. Like, we're going in a different, like, Aaron's our quarterback. So you can unretire or retire. We don't give a shit. I That's what I remember. And then, like, as time went on, it felt like, Maybe once Rodgers got good, did he like blame Brett? Like, wasn't a good friend or something? Yeah, something like that. As I recall, as I'm thinking about it more now, the the, the word I'm thinking of it was about the locker room. Like in the locker room, there were two factions, and it's probably wasn't pretty it? easy to tell. Like it was probably the vets and the young guys. Didn't Peter King used to get made fun of a lot for like basically just following around Brett Favre? I feel yeah. like one of the reporters couldn't have been Ed Warder. It was just a reporter did the equivalent of like always chasing the Favre story. I think it was Peter. Hmm. Be like the equivalent of like Sal Powell or something in Philly, you know. I don't know why he maybe he just became friends with Brett. I don't know. I'll, I'll give Brett one thing. He's he's lived a pretty low key life since leaving, hasn't he? Yeah, just but I see him and not you. You see him, but you don't. It's not over the top. You ever heard him on the radio show he does on Sirius? Yeah, I heard like, it once and it was really good. I yeah, want to hear it more. It's pretty good. Like because he gives uh, good analysis. It's like Brett with Jim Miller. Is that who it is? It's like once a week, an hour. Do they do it outside of football season? I'm not sure. but I, I feel like they have a couple curveball shows like that on different series channels that if you ever hear it, you're like, this is incredible. That one. Pac-12 Coach this K- morning. The Coach K one. Coach K, yeah. Coach K will just be like, oh, Coach K's on. Who's his guest? It'd be like Bill Belichick. Yeah. Or be like Sean McVay. Yeah, his, his guests are just like, Jesus. And it, you realize like, yeah. And they, come, they all come on like, Coach, great to talk to you. Yeah, it, it, 100%. Is that the easiest thing for Coach K to get a guest? Hey, uh, Obama or Sean, I have a request from Coach Krzyzewski. wants you to have on, him on his radio show. Yeah. Has, has he ever received a no? Yeah, busy. Can't uh, Golfing that day, sorry. No. He had he had Bill on. A couple times I've heard it, like, he's pretty locked in. Whatever, if he's another sport, like, he's watched the game. Right. Like he, you can tell. Like he's, he comes prepared. Yeah. 
All right. On that note. See ya. Warriors game Monday night. We're going to do the next one Tuesday. We'll figure that out later. Yeah, we'll see where the wind blows. All right. Late. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.